welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kimpton Knight. The focus of this episode is Modal Conventionalism by Ross Cameron published in the Routledge Handbook of Modality in 2001. Cameron opens this chapter with the claim that necessity is both metaphysically and epistemologically troubling. The worry is that while the way the world is plausibly makes things true, the greenness of grass, for example, makes it true that grass is green, it's hard to see how the way the world is could make anything true of necessity. And relatedly, it's supposedly hard to see how we could ever recognise and hence come to know the necessary truths. These are the sorts of worries that motivate modal conventionalism, the view that modality, i.e. necessity and possibility, does not concern features of the objective world, but rather has to do with how we choose to think about and speak about the world. The first version of conventionalism that Cameron discusses is what he calls crude conventionalism. According to crude conventionalism, the necessary truths are those that are true in virtue of the meanings of the words used to express them. Such truths are also called analytic. So, for example, vixens are female foxes is necessarily true, but this is just because the word vixen means female fox. The necessary truths, according to this view, do not actually say anything about the world. They do not have to answer to how the world is, because they're supposedly true in virtue of the meanings of the terms involved. So they couldn't but be true, they're necessarily true. Contrast this with vixens are shy. Perhaps all vixens are shy because foxes are shy, but this is not true in virtue of meaning, it's not analytic. It says something about the world, and so could be false, it's not necessarily true. If the necessary truths are the analytic truths, this demystifies the metaphysics of necessity, which turns out to be rooted in meaning, and makes it the case that we can know the necessities just by investigating the meanings of words. However, there are various problems for crude conventionalism, First, Cameron highlights the fact that it does not offer a conventionalist account of contingency, i.e. possibilities of things being other than how they are. The crude conventionalist says that the non-analytic truths could be false because they say something about how the world is. The assumption, then, is that contingency is an objective, worldly matter, and this seems to undermine the conventionalist project of making modality about us and not about the world, so as to sanitise its metaphysics and epistemology. Second, there's an influential critique of the idea of truth by convention due to Quine. The basic idea is that conventions or meanings cannot create truths, they can only transform one truth into another. So given the meaning of vixen, we can move from the truth that vixens are female foxes to the truth that female foxes are female foxes, the latter of which is true, but it's true because of how the world is, not because of what the words mean. So the strategy of saying that the necessary truths are those that are true in virtue of meaning seems to be off on the wrong footing from the start. Kripke famously argued for the separation of the analytic and the necessary. He was concerned with examples such as gold has atomic number 79 and water is H2O. These are not analytic, they concern how the world is, but Kripke argued that they're nonetheless necessary. It's not clear how the crude conventionalist can account for these synthetic necessities. A more sophisticated version of conventionalism is due to Alan Seidel. Seidel abandons the crude conventionalist idea 
that the necessary truths are just the analytic truths, and instead maintains that the necessity of necessary truths, as opposed to their truth, is explained by our linguistic conventions. Seidel responds to the threat posed by Kripkean synthetic necessities as follows. He says that we know certain conditionals such as if water is H2O, then necessarily water is H2O, and if gold has atomic number 79, then necessarily gold has atomic number 79, because the truth of these conditionals is a matter of convention. He thus thinks that the modal force of the synthetic necessities derives from these conditionals which are conventional. The problem for this view, however, is that it's controversial that conditionals such as if water is H2O, then necessarily water is H2O, really are analytic. But even if these conditionals are analytic, this might not be enough. One way of reading the conditional if water is H2O, then necessarily water is H2O, is a saying that we've decided to use the term water only to pick out a substance that has its chemical structure necessarily. So what this view amounts to is the claim that whether or not the term water refers to anything depends on the modal nature of the world, and this isn't really in the conventionalist spirit. Neoconventionalism, the view defended by Cameron himself, among others, is developed in response to the sorts of issues discussed for previous forms of modal conventionalism. The basic idea is that it is conventional which truths count as necessary. So in the same way that it's a matter of convention that messy eating and not buying a round of drinks is impolite, it's a matter of convention that 2 plus 2 equals 4, water is H2O, and nothing is a square circle, all count as necessary. The underlying idea is that the class of necessary truths does not reflect any objective joints in reality. They are just bestowed some special status by us for conventional reasons. Since neoconventionalism allows that truths are made true by the world, it doesn't succumb to Quine's critique of truth by convention, and similarly, since it does not tie necessity to analyticity, it has no problem accommodating the Kripkean synthetic necessities. Truths, such as that water is H2O, are just among those that we conventionally deem necessary, according to the neoconventionalist. And neoconventionalism does not make the reference of terms such as water hostage to whether or not the world has the appropriate modal features, since it just says that it's a matter of convention that whatever the truth is about the chemical structure of water gets to count as necessary. A pressing question for neoconventionalism, one that Cameron raises, is that of why we should care about necessity understood along neoconventionalist lines. The realist about modality has an obvious answer to why we should care about necessity, namely, it's a feature of the objective world and we should care about the objective world, but this route is not available to the neoconventionalist and so there is work to be done. The central neoconventionalist idea is that the class of necessary truths reflects no objective joint or division in nature. That's to say, the conventionalist thinks that the class of necessary truths is, for example, like the class of all things that are either less than 5 metres or more than 1,000 kilometres from me now, and not like the class of electrons. But why think that modality is not a real feature of our world? Cameron opens the paper with the claim that necessity is both metaphysically and epistemologically troubling, which, if true, may be reason to deny that it's a feature of reality. But it's not clear to me why we should think this. General empiricist concerns don't seem too convincing, science itself seems to be laden with claims about what's necessary, as expressed in laws of nature, 
Now, of course, we could try and interpret this scientific or nomological necessity such that it turns out to be metaphysically contingent, as indeed the Humean metaphysicians do. But now the question is why we should think that contingency or possibility is any less troubling than necessity. And in particular, why should we call that which science deems necessary, namely the laws of nature, really contingent, because our philosophical tastes make us squeamish about necessity? Of course, the conventionalist will claim to be conventionalist about necessity and contingency alike. Among all the truths are some that we conventionally deem necessary, and all the rest are contingent. But the conventionalist seems compelled to say that the necessities aren't really, i.e. convention independently, necessary, otherwise their necessity would not be a mere matter of convention. So it seems they must be really contingent, and modality is back in the world after all. In other words, the problem that Cameron raises for crude conventionalism, according to which it undermines its own position by making contingency a worldly matter, may come back to bite other forms of conventionalism too. Thanks for listening to Condensed Matter. Please rate and review the show on your favourite app so that more people can find it. There's also a link to the show's Patreon page in the episode notes. Your support will help towards the costs associated with hosting and production and will lead to improvements in your future listening experience. Patrons of the show will also get the chance to suggest articles and guests for future episodes. 